Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone out there who's trying to find us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts or Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can DM us on there or you can find a cell phone on there. You can text us if you want to be on the show or you have any questions for the entrepreneurs that want to be on the show or that are going to be on the show. Excuse me. With that being said, I've Shylon Calbert of Sugar Boats from Nashville, Tennessee, back with us today. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing very well. Interestingly, I think you were my first episode in Nashville from a Nashville com- from a Nashville um, food entrepreneur, for lack of a better term, Yay. right now. And um, so that's been kind of cool. And that was over two months ago now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so. We talked about a lot. You, your trailer had been stolen back then, and you had finally gotten it back, and you were fixing it, and people were starting to sign it again. If I remember, you have everyone sign your trailer. And yeah. so how has the summer been? How I mean summer, geez. How has the winter been uh, for you? We talked a little bit about it for the podcast. I mean, what's it like in Nashville as the months get slow and you're trying to run a food trailer? Oh, goodness. It do get a little hard um but myself um i'd be prepared for the for the winter because i also run a a kitchen at a assistant living so you know just without having my own business i've been in the food business for so long and i know like peak seasons and slow seasons so you know I make sure I'm kind of prepared for that, not just left out in the cold, like, oh, what do I do? No. So, you know, when I'm not on the truck, um, nine times out of ten, I'm working a full-time job somewhere. I love it. And there's always hustle because that's just required in today's world, especially as things get more and more complicated. And I feel like money's becoming less and less valuable right now. Um, Oh, goodness. And so we have a lot of that stuff going on. Um, I guess one of the things I, and one of the reasons I asked you back on is you just have such a balance about you. And, and I felt our conversation was so good. And, and the particular transition I was going on through back then, and, and as I was adjusting into Nashville, I think there's just so much in your essence of who you are and what you do. And let's talk about like when you're in the long-term care home uh, doing the meals, like in the care that takes place and the patients and relationships. Cause you're, it's not like just a hospital where they're in and out every day. Like these are long-term they're there. You're building relationships with a lot of these people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, tell me about what that's like and, and the food and actually in a long-term care home. Cause I've spent some time in that space, but I think mm-hmm. it's important to understand what you're doing there in order to tie mm-hmm. it to what you're doing with sugar boats. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I'm actually, I'm a food service director, so I am over the kitchen there. And it's a lot of responsibilities there because we working on special diets, you working on, you know, building a relationship with uh, your residents so that you can know on a daily basis, you know, because once they get older, they kind of set it what they like and what they want. 
So it's like you get to know them, you talk to them, and they get to know you as a familiar face. And you can go through there and be like, hey, well, so-and-so don't want that. So-and-so likes that, you know, and keep a consistent relationship with them in order to keep them happy. Because we know once we get older, that is a hard thing to do sometimes, especially when you're dealing with a lot of different diets and different personalities and people from different regions of the world might come to one facility. So it's, it, I, I always consider it, though, like a blessing in disguise to be able to get up and go cook and feed the elderly because they are so sweet. You know, you would think... If I'm ever in that predicament one day, I would want somebody to treat me a certain way if I would have to come to a facility like that. Or your parents, you know, if you had to put them there, how you would want them to be treated and, you know, to be fed and stuff like that. So I've been in and out quite a few of those facilities. I think it's interesting because... um just from the perspective of just the cycle of life, like, and where we go and where we end up and, and as humans and just, you know, just needing the support and love of the, our community when we get elderly and often that our community isn't there for us. It's a weird thing um, because we don't live in like multi-generational homes anymore where our grandparents live with us until they pass away and so on and so forth. We've sort of mm-hmm. passed the buck, for lack of a better term, at least mm-hmm. in the United States. And when we really need to be more involved in it and we need to be more in line with it, we need to be also making sure they there's nutrition there and I get it. There's certain things that we can't provide the medical stuff as families and things like that. So at some point I, I understand it, but I think that it goes back to what you're trying to do um, with your food trailer and sugar boats is like, you're trying to be a part of the community. You're trying to build something that's mm-hmm. last longer than just now. That's, that's trying to have an impact and be influential and do you want to talk about that a little bit, sort of what your goals are, you know, on a daily basis and the, and the people that you influence and, and come into contact with? Um, I would say my goal is to, to become, it, it's always room for learning and it's always room for more development, more growing, more ideals. You know, and I'm an idealistic person. I'm always thinking of how I can take something that people may look at as nothing, but me, I look at it as taking it to next level. And it don't matter where I'm at. If I'm working at a facility, my mind is always working like, okay, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to, you know, make them have a positive day, you know, um, you know, go, going going forward, make sure they stay here is comfortable because I, I recently I had a talk with like my ED, my BOM, all we get in the hurdle every day. And I'm like, you know, y'all don't understand that if if y'all doors are closed, if y'all absent, it, it's like, okay. Besides the med cart, you know, because everybody wants their meds there. 
But if one day you wake up and this kitchen doesn't open, you might have to shut this whole facility down. Because if it's not, if it's one thing that they do look for is a good meal. They look for all three of their meals to be a good meal. So I always put my best into it. You know, anybody that come work with me or work up under me, I'll be like, you know, you're a great cook. I tell them, I'll even tell them, you know, hey, if you better than me, I'm I'm going to give you your flowers. But I'm going to tell you, you know, if you need improvement, you work with me, you're a good cook, I'm going to make you a great one. That's always my my goal and my my mental you know even with older people that come in contact with me or either younger people that comes in contact with me and just want to know you know how do you do it you know how do you get the food truck how do you do this how do you maintain that so I'm always about giving out positive feedback positive energy you know to to whoever comes across my path and asks me for it so yeah it's interesting because I agree with you 100% on the perspective on people needing three meals. And it's like, I just talked about this on the last podcast, actually, just needing structure in lives and in family lives and building structure off of food. Um, even when you're in a long-term care home or you're in the hospital, it's we are trained, especially as humans, that that's how we get our sustenance, that our whatever the nutrition we need in minerals. I can't say the word this morning. And the the ability to grow ourselves comes from food, but the ability to have structure around our eating patterns is also how we don't live in chaos, how the rest of our life falls into like scheduling is how we eat. And when we eat, it also is a lot of our mood is based on who we eat with, when we eat, the quality of the food we eat. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that that's part of it. And you see that being in healthcare a lot. And, you know, I was in it for 24 years and you see the impact the food has on the patients. And Mm -hmm. I always had trouble because all the uh, individuals that were in operations all the time and whatever, and they go do hospital visits, but they never actually go to the hospitals and serve the food or be with the serving of the food. Mm-hmm. And actually experience it and just go do it or volunteer their time at a soup kitchen. Even as if I get it, we work in food all the time, but you need to see how it is to give food, especially in big companies when you're in your white tower, for lack of a better term, and um, whatever it's called, your ivory tower. And um, and you don't know what the rest of the world is, is going through and in mm-hmm. food in particular. And so I think it's just so important that we all anchor ourselves through food in so many different ways and it's the most humbling experience like I say anyone who needs a humbling experience that can't just you know get another job you should go DoorDash or something because it's a very interesting thing that happens in food and a humbling experience and an understanding Mm -hmm. of how important it is you know see what happens when someone's food is late and it's not on time and they're on a scheduled family and how much anxiety that can drive someone you're like oh my gosh why is she so worried it's just food it's 15 minutes late but for Mm -hmm. a family that has structure and need to take their kids to basketball practice after they eat and they don't want them to get cramps and that 20 minutes of digesting their food really matters that stuff matters and so yeah and so I like what you the mindset here and I think it's totally um who you are so let's go back and revisit your story a little bit just for the audience like 
how did you become a food entrepreneur and how did you get into the food trailer space? And and let's just go through it briefly. We don't need to go as much detail, but I do want to just catch the audience back up to speed and you guys should go listen to part one. But um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I first, I, well, I've been in the food industry since I was 15. Um, like I said, my first job was at um, Opryland Opry theme park. And I never got out of it. I, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna go all the way back. I'm a, my cooking comes from my grandmother. My grandmother, my mom, my dad, all of them, they they cook like tremendously. And as I grew older, I just I, it was something that I stuck with, and it grew on me. So through the years I always was like you know I want to own my own restaurant I want to own my own restaurant and I got so just tired of people like in the work <laughs> in the work world so one day I was like you know what when I leave this place I'm the next step I'm going is my own kitchen and in 2018 I did so I opened my first restaurant in Jackson Tennessee um of course we stayed open till COVID hit. Uh, as a result, I was not able to bounce back from the COVID, but I didn't let Sugar Boat's name die out. I actually went, that's when I became a mobile food truck owner. And I have been doing this now, going on three years. So all together, Sugar Bowls have been open for about five years. So to me, it's really good. And I want to see, you know, what else comes out of this. You know, I've been trying to explore into the world or maybe um, a lounge or maybe get another, get into another brick and mortar in the Asheville area. We don't know. We just, I'm just, I'm just waiting to see. I love it. I love it. So tell me about your food that you serve out of your food trailer and what inspires it and and sort of the different types of inspirations you have around food. Um, I call it street food. Um, and I kind of wing it off the name, the mobile trap house. So I do do things like um, ghetto dope burgers and ghetto deals and uh, wings laced with um, ranch or something. It's just the name, the, the name um, Philly cracked cheese steaks. So you know, I I, I pull out. <laughs> I love I this. All of those names I I don't think from. we we might have talked about this a little bit, but tell me tell me about the names. Tell me about the naming. I love it. And let go through it one more time for me because I really love the burger one as well. Um, I got well, I just put a new one on there. It's called the Lojack Burger, and actually, uh, the new anchor guy, I, I'm gonna I'm dedicate this one to him because he was like when he did my news coverage from my truck install, and he was like, you know what, you got all those different names on there. Now you should get a Lojack Burger. I was like. You know what? When that when I get my food truck back, I'm gonna name a burger Low Jack Burger because he was like, "Oh, that was funny," you know, from yeah. the truck getting stolen. So, and that's how they found it, right? Jack, huh? That's how they found it. 
Well, I actually tracked it down. And so how did you do that? I'm, I want to tell that story as well. And I want the low Jack Burger story, but we're going to go off on a commentary real quick, and then we'll go back to the food. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, ask me that question again. How did, you, how did you track down your own trailer oh. after it was stolen? So a lot of people don't realize, but you should have trackers on your on your um, food trucks. And I think this is where a lot of food truckers go wrong because they don't have trackers. So I did have a tracker. Um, I would have probably found it sooner, but just so happened that weekend, me and my husband were up in the mountains and I didn't discover it was gone till two days later. But I tracked it down myself. Um, And I just, when I tracked it, I got location uh, to Clarksville, I notified Clarksville PD, hey, you know, it's a bolo out for a stolen uh, food truck, blue writing and stuff on it, what's the name of it, and yeah, it's at this place, and so they end up meeting me uh, at the place where I tracked it to, and sure enough, it was in somebody's yard, so when I did recover it, it was like $30,000 worth of damage done to it, but you know, somebody told me the other day, um, she was like, you know, it's not the value of the truck. She was like, it's more the memories. And that really made me feel good because a lot of people that come, they like regulars and they really, really support me. And I really, really thank those people that stuck in there with me even before it got stolen, still pulled up after we retreated. You know, and just show a lot of love. They show a lot of love. So it's an amazing story. So back to the back to the low jack burger. Like, what <laughs> what is the low jack burger? And had and obviously we now know why it was named. You literally tracked down your own food truck, which yeah, is pretty incredible, actually. Food trailer, but it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, because a lot of people, you know. I don't know. They got this thing now, but they stealing these food trailers, and you know that's people livelihoods. So, you know, I would advise anybody, you know, put your two or three trackers on there. You know, if you can, lock it up, lock up your personal belongings because that is something that you work hard for. And in these trucks are not easy to come about. They're not cheap, and they're not easy to get. They, they are. When I tell you a kitchen on wheels, just as much as a kitchen you would go buy a brick and mortar, that's the same. So, you know, you have to treat it like it's very valuable and, and try to protect it. But um, the Lojack Burger is it's a double patty. It has bacon, sauteed onions, sauteed jalapenos. It has fries stacked on top of the burger, and the fries are, like, loaded. So it's like cheese sauce, barbecue sauce, um, ranch dressing, my house sauce. So it's just up there. It looks real crazy, but it, people love it. <laughs> I'm coming to get one of those. I'm that's am I going to be my first? Uh, that's going to be my first thing when I come see you. I'm getting one of those low jack things. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I love this. Um, I love the creativity behind what you do because it's so, I mean, let's talk about the contrast. There's such a contrast between what you're doing, not in the ethos of it, but in the, um, like in 
long-term care food, like it's very comfort food. You don't get a lot of creativity. It's usually like mashed potatoes and, and chicken and broccoli, for example, and maybe like a chicken noodle soup or a tomato bisque or something. And or a salad or something, but here you're literally stacking basically everything you'd get in one long-term care meal on the burger itself. Mm-hmm. And so, where do yeah. you come up with these ideas? Do you look on the internet? Is it stuff that just comes to mind? Oh no! Everything I make up is like I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, well I got this, 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 and this. Let me see what I can do with it, and I just put it together. I. To me, it's like I'm very good at taste, like putting taste to food, season to food. Like I can pick up a season that I know nothing about and I can smell it and be like, hmm, that would be good on fish or that would be good on beef. You know, it's just the, the, the smell of it. That- yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that. I think everyone looks to the Internet and stuff like that. Like there is... I agree with you 100% and I feel this way also about food and the creativity of recipes and menus. And it's mm-hmm. and it's very hard because I often deal with a lot of chefs who everything's very formalized and very like structured, particularly if they have formal training. And I'm just like, but these naturally seem like they would go together. I get it. That one mm-hmm. might be a French spice and one might be a Thai spice, but are those two typically go together? Bad example. But mm-hmm. it's... um. It's we, we but we're seeing more of it in today's world. But I agree with you. There's certain things that you can smell that you know whether it's going to be good on fish when it tastes well, or it's going to be sweet and add a sweetness to something that's already savory. And um, there's things like that. So I like this a lot that on what you're doing here. Um, go through your whole menu again. I'm sorry, I had cut you off earlier, and we got stuck on the low jack burger. But what's sort of the whole menu look like, and and break down each item for us, because I don't think we spent a lot of time doing that last time. Um. Oh God, it's an extensive menu. <laughs> okay, let's do your top oh. ten favorite breakdowns. A low jack burger is definitely a number one, so we got that mm-hmm. one covered. We got the low jack burger. We got the house burger, which is the big ass boat burger and that's my house burger the naming is awesome (laughs) so that one has everything like lettuce tomato pickle um onion my own i make my own house sauce that i use practically on everything um i have the ghetto dope burger the ghetto dope has one big patty um, pickles, onions, it has hot Cheetos and hot corn chips mixed together, stacked on top of it. Oh my God. I love Cheetos and oh corn chips. This burger sells crazily. Um, it has cheese, sauce, ranch dressing, bacon bits, and house sauce on that one. Um, I just recently put a honey bun burger on there, I sell out of them. It's two little Debbie honey buns, a big burger patty, um, cheese, saute onions, saute um, jalapenos, and my house sauce in between two honey buns, sprinkled with powdered sugar on top. Well, we we say it's laced with powdered sugar on top. Um, I have a hot chicken honey bun sandwich that is my specialty. I call that my sugar Nash hot chicken because it's a dry spice. 
and it's in between two honey buns with house sauce on top. Um, that's two of my favorite, and I just added another burger. It's called WTF. What the freak? <laughs> burger. <laughs> I love it. So this burger is actually a burger, like beef, homemade. All my stuff is uh, natural beef. I use real ground beef, never frozen. Cut it off a log. So these are hand hand breaded patties. Um, so it's beef. It's sauteed onions, sauteed jalapenos. It has three country fried tenders tossed in the sugar nash seasoning on top with house sauce uh, and ranch dressing in between a bun. Did you say sugar nash sauce? Yeah. So that's like a Nashville hot chicken sauce for your tenders? And yes. so the burger has got the tenders on it as well. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. I love this. Go on. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That one, I might, I'm. you may have just trumped the LoJack burger. <laughs> That burger is it's massive, and people, I, you know, sometimes you come and they like create their own stuff. I'm like, who told y'all y'all can come up here and do that? But they do it because they just know I'm gonna finish it. Like one girl, she got the WTF burger instead of a bun. She wanted it in between the honey bun, so it was two honey buns, beef, <laughs> three chicken tenders, her sauteed onions, and it stands about. Oh my goodness! It, it's so big. I don't know how people put their mouth around it, but however they want to eat it, it's fine with me. So, yeah, that sounds uh, incredible. Actually, the honey buns. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. So that's one. Um, I, I mean, have a I would deal. just laugh. I'd be like, oh, I would have to produce it just because someone said I'm like, oh my gosh, you. That's incredible. <laughs> Well, yeah, they think it's incredible when they get it, too, because it'd be so big, they can't close the plate. So, yeah, they love it. But uh, I have uh, a ghetto deal, which is my ghetto quesadilla. And it has beef or chicken, and it has the hot chips in it, too. Hot chips, bacon bits, jalapenos, ranch dressing, cheese sauce, and a big 12-inch tortilla shell grill is is massively good um wow what's your favorite one um i would say i like the philly crack and i have a philly crack with steak is not with steak with shrimp Really good. So it's like explain a that, explain both of those the Philly it's crack a, and the Philly whatever the other one was. The Philly crack is just it's just like it's it's uh, my version of a Philly steak, you know. And I don't use all that mushrooms and stuff like that. It's simple, but it's really good. The only thing I use is my homemade house sauce. Um, I use two kind of cheese: a cheese sauce and a shredded cheese. Um, sauteed onions on a hoagie roll and I have one where they just add shrimp to it so it's kind of like you eat steak and shrimp on a bun 
Oh my gosh, I got it. Like, why are you doing this to me right if- now? This is incredible. <laughs> I love that. No one's ever done that before. I don't like that that I know of. That's an incredible idea. Yeah. So that's when I say, you know, I put a lot of different tastes to things. I put a lot of different tastes to things. I do things differently. I, uh, uh, just the... the it's just like grouping certain foods together, like certain tastes that I know would go good with each other. And, you know, people ask me a lot, like, do you eat this? I'm like, you know, I create it, I taste it, and I stay away. And I have to do that because I be in so many kitchens, you know, as you get older, you have to watch your diets and stuff and what you eat on an everyday basis, especially when you're around this type of food every day. So, yeah. But that's kind of like I what agree goes with you on, on in that. the kitchen. I agree with you. It's hard to create it and then eat it. And if you're around the same food every day, it's hard to eat that food. It's yeah. really weird because I in when we used to have our businesses, we would serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner to the employees who were making food, and we had extra, so obviously, like, why throw it away? We can, everyone can benefit from it. But the problem was, is one of the things we ran into is if we didn't do something extra to it, and we just served the food that everyone was producing, and we didn't have a chef come in and, and just do it le- extra or spoof up the broccoli or whatever it was, that generally the employees would not eat it. And it's for exactly that reason. If you're around it, you smell it all the time, your hands are in all the time. For some Mm -hmm. reason, it becomes a job. It's not Mm -hmm. becoming, we don't see the food in the same way as we see it as a source of income, not as a source of nutrients. And so it's just becomes like a weird association game in our mind, I think. And, and it's just that way. And it's the same for me. That's a very good way of putting it. You know, and I spent a lot of years uh, running up and down the East Coast with a, f- a food trailer doing fried chicken demonstrations for pressure fryers and coatings and stuff that we did when we did uh, mm-hmm. fried chicken products and marinades and coatings and oils all and all the stuff that went along with the pressure fryers. The company is Broster for anyone who wants to look it up out there. I'll give them a free freaking thing, even though they don't deserve it. But... Um, <laughs> And, um, but my point being this is that when you're around it all the time and you're doing it all the time, it becomes very hard. And I love fried chicken. Like there's like burgers and fried chicken. Like I'm a simple person. I love exploring the world and all the flavors and, and all that the essence of the world and the exposure from food, you know, Thai mm-hmm. food and Indian food in particular are two of my oh, favorites. Yeah. And, uh-huh. um, and weirdly, I have a huge appreciation for Greek food now um, that I didn't realize just from um, a relationship that just gave me an appreciation of it and, and an appreciation of cooking at home. Like it's weird uh, when you sort of are in something and you're staring at the tree, you don't see the, the woods necessarily or the forest. And I find that a lot in food and I find that a lot in relationships as well that we often pick apart things because we're staring at the tree, but mm-hmm. it's we, we got to really focus on the farce and what is it that this this relationship or whatever is bringing us to holistically, and obviously both parties in the relationship have to be able to see value in each other and growth in each other. But I think to what we're saying about food and what you're doing 
is you're having growth in a relationship with food. And because of that, you and I are sort of building a relationship in the food space. You know, I think what I'm seeing here in Nashville also is there's a bunch of food truckers and trailer owners beyond gravy, roasted coconut. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think it's, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Tennessee tater cakes, so on and so forth out of uh, Bad Luck Burger Club. All of these guys that are around in the same space as you and here. And I feel like there's a community that's also building around all of you guys of positivity. And I also mm-hmm. agree with you that there is this um, needing of more of a community and needing more of a voice uh, to be heard um, in the community. We talked about it the last episode and I never really responded to it. It's in my notes, but there's just sort of like how food plays this role. And when people of equal mindset or it's not equal is not the right word, but of, um, I don't complimenting mindsets, I guess would be a better word, a growing mindsets that help grow each other is, is actually exactly what I'm looking for. Equal is the wrong word. Sorry guys. But if you have that, you, there's growth here. And I feel like your positivity in your mindset, no matter what gets in the way, even, 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 amongst something bad happening you're sort of you've created the low jack burger and it's kind of funny because in college a fraternity brother actually left a cigarette on in a non-smoking fraternity house as i was the president of the fraternity and burned down part of the fraternity house which was really Mm -hmm. fun and i think i talked about this in the last episode but i did a burning down the house like fundraiser for the fire department to try to save face and I did it really really fast and it was sort of like as fast as I could get all the musicians together as fast as I could rent the space as fast as I could keep the blemish from turning into a bad thing and get something good done for the community and donate money before the disciplinary action was taken I was like okay like that would help us but what I realized during it is there was such reward from the giving of the event and putting on the event and actually giving to the fire department. I didn't even care if we got punished to the full extent and lost everything at that point. We had done something so good and turned something so bad into something so great. And so it no longer became about getting out of something. It became like, we need to do more of this. And I feel that that's what you're doing here is you're just, you're able to inspire people to keep going and you're able yeah. to inspire people to have a relationship with food in a different way and have fun with it and and not be complicated, you know, um, for lack of a better term. Like food is fun and life is only as complicated as we make it and we only get stuck in the past if we choose to stay there. Yeah. And so Oops. tell me if you could share like your greatest entrepreneurial inspirations or the people that inspire you the most and why they inspire you, uh, who and what is that? I think that came out right. Oh, who inspires me the most? You know what? I never really even looked at that besides my parents. I, I don't think I look I don't I don't think I never looked past my parents inspiring me. I, I mean, that might sound weird because everybody else is like, you know, I have this person, they inspire me, or that person is my mentor. It's like, 
my parents are both deceased, but it's like they left me with so many tools to use and know how to survive out here. Like, I don't give nobody else that critic past them. So Yeah, I is there anything about each parent that you can think of that really truly like resonates as like an extreme quality that you look up to or or that you have in you? Um both of my parents are militant. So both my mother and father were uh in the military. So they were they both gave me like hardcore values. My mom, she was like a rough house. Like she don't sugarcoat nothing. She's straight up, but she was always, you know, my backbone. So I, I miss that a lot. But my dad, he was always like, um, I was the daddy's girl too. So he was always like there as always listening. He was he was he was my ear to go to. Um, we could probably talk about everything under the blue moon. So to me, my dad actually, I say he gave me game like a man should. Like, okay, you're a woman, but this how you should think like a man. <laughs> you know, I, it's kind of like the Steve Harvey book. Act like a, act like a, what is it? Yeah, like yeah. a woman, think like a man or something. Yeah. So that was my dad. You know, I, I got a lot of um, um, good qualities from the both of them. I would say, and a lot of manners. I well, very well raised. You know, very mannerable. You know, I would I would say, which a lot of people be lacking nowadays. So, <laughs> yeah, and I like this because there's a lot of discipline and consistency that is uh, that probably in your upbringing from having military parents that has led you to work so hard and have the discipline. I mean, you basically work two jobs. You have your entrepreneurial hustle, your job, you know, or and which is the other thing that we're talking about the long term care homes and stuff like that. So. I mean, it's really incredible what you've done. Um, is there anything you want to share with the audience or anything you want to share with with the group to inspire them or any way, anything with Nashville or your community that if they they hear this that you would want them to know? Um, I would say, you know, when you get out, I hear a lot of people say, no, I want to own my own business. And me and my best friends, we always have these conversations because they like, you know, look at you, you got your own business. But, you know, I tell people, you know, anything you want to do, take your time, do your research. Don't let things hold you back from your dreams, but do your research because Working for yourself is just as hard as working for somebody else because you got to go four times harder now rather than two times because this is yours. And trying to build your own brand is the most hardest. You know, you can work for a big time company and they brand is already built. So you just there 
um, all in the wheels and, and, and keeping it going. But when you're trying to get yours done, you're trying to get your own business up off the floor. You know, you're getting it from the mud, the ground up and you're building it. And sometimes it can become very stressful. It can become very, um, what's the word shall I say? I'm going to say sometimes you might want to give up. But don't let that never be the case. Always learn to find you another outlet, you know, to keep yourself going. No, regardless of what have you, if you have a plan A, have a plan B. Hey, it's always good maybe to have a plan C if you need. <laughs> so, you know, you just, you because you, it's like you putting into it, but you got to continue to put into you you gotta think in reality world i'm not gonna be rich overnight you know and that's where a lot of people a lot of i'm gonna say a lot of younger people go in and they want to open up business and they don't read on they don't read about taxes they don't read you know the fine lining of what comes with it and they think because oh i'm on my own business i'm gonna get money it's gonna be easy and Next week, I'm going to be rich. Nah, that ain't going to be the case. You're going to have to work. It is work, but it is a beautiful thing. When you get to that space, it is a very beautiful thing to see. And what you have accomplished, plant that seed, water it, and watch it grow. Yep. Very cool. Thank you very much. And I, gosh, it's uh, incredible. And time always flies on these podcasts. And so <laughs> I really enjoy what you're doing. And I, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be on a part two. And there's oh, just yeah. such positivity in you and such calmness and steadfastness um, and composure, I guess, would be an equanimity. And I love it, and it really, I always learn a lot from you, and you always bring me balance uh, when I talk to you. And it's really cool that you're doing what you're doing, and I think you're going to have so much success in that you're just willing to let the food take the journey with you by your side, and it's becoming part of your experience and part of the food that you serve. It's not like, oh, we have to do it this way, this traditional, you're very much like this is what I want to do and this is what the food's telling me and I want to create something but this is what I'm limited to but you're letting the food do the work within that space so there's confines but the food is helping you do the creativity you know you're like you smell it this would be good with fish or this would be good with chicken and I think that that's part of the adventure and that's part of actually giving food we often as humans structure things so rigidly and that's now, I, obviously, I believe in time blocking and, and scheduling time because it's our most valuable resource. But that doesn't mean I'm so rigid and not exploring food or not letting food take me on a journey or life take me on a journey. And because it is a lifelong journey, period. And yeah. um, I love that you're doing that. And I think that if I could have the audience grab anything out of this episode, it's sort of that ability to walk freely um, and creativity amongst consistency and discipline that you have in life. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. And don't let it just, you know, ground you to doing one thing. Like, 
right now my hands are over here like i said one name can can turn into so many different things like maybe we working on maybe doing a sugar's lounge or something so you know we we uh, i'm 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 i got my kids they they be with me too so you know we got a lot of stuff that we working on we trying to do in the city and bring new things to the city and just just see where it goes see what the food develops into more than just a food truck or a restaurant we're gonna see how far no, it's going to really take us. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I do have it in my notes. I wanted to talk more about having your family in the business and, and the legacy that you guys are building and, and what that looks like and how all of your family is involved in, in your kids and stuff. Um, yeah. So I would love to schedule a part three also. I hope we can do that maybe relatively soon, maybe next week or the following week where we can discuss yeah. more of that and the family dynamic because – you're a role model in the community and I just really want to help tell your story, particularly for Nashville, because I think it, we need it right now. Always. We yeah. need hope. And yeah. there's never a time in the world where we shouldn't be shining hope, in my opinion. And right. and so I would just like to continue to do that. So um, the audience, we will do a part three, I hope, here for sure. And thank you for your time today. Um and Shylon and and thank you for coming back on and thank you for creating sugar boats and oh. and could you tell everyone where they could find you online uh so they uh, can look you up um you can look me up at sugar boats um usually it says 1222 rosa parks but i'm actually in the lot of 707 monroe street um, I'm in the same lot as the Crossroads Pet Store, so that's usually where I'm at. Black Food Trailer, not hard to find. I'm also on DoorDash. Um, you can find me on IG at Sugar.coms or Facebook at Sugar Boats Mobile Trap House. Very cool, and I'm glad you do the delivery thing as well. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And you're an awesome human and I appreciate your time and I appreciate what you do for the community. Um, thank you. And for the audience, thank you guys for listening in. If you like what you hear on the episode, please share it. Please tell people about the episode. It helps the entrepreneurs. It helps Shylon. It helps sugar boats. Obviously, if you write a commentary and actually write something, it does even better. That's the way these algorithms work. So if you want her episode to do well, you want the podcast to do well or the show to do well, However you look at it, that's how it happens. Um, we also push it and promote it, obviously, on our end. But that's mainly um, gets a lot more traction when you guys participate in the episodes with the entrepreneurs by sharing, uh, commenting, and giving whatever number of stars or hearts or whatever are required by whatever syndication it's on. So with that being said, um, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And Shylon, thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. You are so welcome. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. And I can't wait to talk more. I wish I had more time. Um, thank you guys. And we're out.